The second reading this morning is from Acts chapter 5, verse 17. Acts 5, verse 17. But the high priest rose up and all who were with him, that is, the party of the Sadducees, and filled with jealousy, they arrested the apostles and put them in the public prison. But during the night, an angel of the Lord opened the prison doors and brought them out and said, Go and stand in the temple and speak to the people all the words of this life. And when they heard this, they entered the temple at daybreak and began to teach. Now when the high priest came and those who were with him, they called together the council, all the senate of the people of Israel, and sent to the prison to have them brought. But when the officers came, they did not find them in the prison. So they returned and reported, we found the prison securely locked and the guards standing at the doors. But when we opened them, we found no one inside. Now when the captain of the temple and the chief priests heard these words, they were greatly perplexed about them, wondering what this could come to. And someone came and told them, look, the men whom you put in prison are standing in the temple and teaching the people. Then the captain with the officers went and brought them, but not by force, for they were afraid of being stoned by the people. And when they had brought them, they set them before the council. And the high priest questioned them, saying, We strictly charged you not to teach in this name. Yet here you have filled Jerusalem with your teaching, and you intend to bring this man's blood upon us. But Peter and the apostles answered, We must obey God rather than men. The God of our fathers raised Jesus, whom you killed by hanging him on a tree. God exalted him at his right hand as leader and saviour to give repentance to Israel and forgiveness of sins. And we are witnesses to these things. And so is the Holy Spirit, whom God has given to those who obey him. When they heard this, they were enraged and wanted to kill them. But a Pharisee in the council, named Gamaliel, a teacher of the law held in honour by all the people, stood up and gave orders to put the men outside for a little while. And he said to them, Men of Israel, take care what you are about to do with these men. For before these days, Theudas rose up, claiming to be somebody, and a number of men, about 400, joined him. He was killed, and all who followed him were dispersed and came to nothing. After him, Judas the Galilean rose up in the days of the census and drew away some of the people after him. He too perished, and all who followed him were scattered. So in the present case, I tell you, keep away from these men and let them alone. For if this is the plan or this undertaking is of man, it will fail. But if it is of God, you will not be able to overthrow them. You might even be found opposing God. So they took his advice. And when they had called in the apostles, they beat them and charged them not to speak in the name of Jesus and let them go. 
Then they left the presence of the council, rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer dishonor for the name. And every day, in the temple and from house to house, they did not cease teaching and preaching that the Christ is Jesus. Well, it's really good to be with you. Um, If we've not met, my name's Ben. I'm the assistant minister here at St. Joseph's. And uh, what a joy it was to be here for those baptisms. It's the first time I've, I've spoken with wet sleeves, but it feels like a reminder of the power of God. It's great. Um, let's pray before we go any further. Someone says, Blessed is the man or woman whose delight is in the law of the Lord. He or she is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season and its leaf does not wither. Father God, Please would we delight in your words as we hear it this morning, and please refresh us and grow us through it by your spirit. Amen. Well, we've been working our way through the book of Acts, and uh, last week's passage was pretty shocking, uh, but this week's passage is no less extraordinary. Uh, Last week, we saw God protecting his church, uh, and we saw an explosion in the growth of the early church. Uh, Verse 14, just before this passage, tells us that more than ever, believers were added to the Lord, uh, multitudes of both men and women. It must have been such an amazing and encouraging time, mustn't it? But we mustn't miss the fact that hand in hand uh, with the growth of God's kingdom came opposition. In fact, uh, there's wave after wave of opposition at this time. Uh, In Acts 4, we saw Peter and John arrested. Uh, In Acts 5 last week, we saw internal struggles uh, as the devil tried to gain a foothold among them. Uh, And then in today's passage, the apostles are rounded up and put in prison. And today, there are still Christians being put in prison. I recently read about uh, Haile Nazi in Eritrea, who, uh, before his arrest, was chair of a network of house churches Uh, that were banned by the government, and he's been in prison since May 2004. Uh, Or there's Pastor Wang Yi in China, who was arrested in December 2018. Uh, His wife was able to visit him in prison for the first time in three years, in November 2021, and he's still there. Uh, Across the globe, Christians suffer great costs for their devotion to Christ. It's thought that one in seven experiences intense persecution. Uh, Only last week in Nigeria, sadly, the body of a pastor was found and another minister was abducted. Now, very few of us uh, have had to face that sort of opposition or persecution, Uh, but we may have felt fear about speaking out about Jesus uh, at work or in a public setting uh, or just with friends. Uh, We might worry about where our society is headed and how tolerant it will be towards Christians in the future. Uh, Or or maybe you're here this morning and you're not a Christian and and you're thinking, why would these people bother to suffer so much for Jesus? Uh, Well, the story of the early church here uh, speaks into that and it challenges us and it encourages us at the same time. We read here that the believers uh, were gathered uh, together in in their usual place, Solomon's portico. Uh, We're told they were healing many people, and many people were turning to Christ, uh, and the apostles were held in high esteem by the people. Uh, They were doing loads of good. And yet, chapter 5, verse 17, we're told that the high priest rose up, and all who were with him, uh, that is the party of the Sadducees, and filled with jealousy, they arrested the apostles and put them in the public prison. 
the high priests and the Sadducees, uh, who were a, a religious group who held a lot of power at the time, were jealous of the popularity of the apostles. Uh, they wanted the crowd to be around them and not around the apostles. The gospel hurt their privilege and their pride and their power. And so the apostles are thrown into prison. And the first thing that we see here is that whilst opposition and persecution might shock us, uh, they should never surprise us. Uh, we should expect opposition. It happened right in the early days of the church. It's happened every century since. And it's still happening today. Paul writes to Timothy, Indeed, all who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. The Lord Jesus himself said to his disciples, If the world hates you, keep in mind that it hated me first. Uh, if they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. They will treat you this way because of my name. Opposition should not be a surprise because we follow in the footsteps of the Lord Jesus who himself was opposed. The apostles faced almost every kind of opposition, didn't they? Uh, there's emotional intimidation and jealousy and hatred. Uh, there's physical opposition. Uh, prison was tough and, and they were beaten later on. There's legal intimidation. They're commanded not to speak. It's tough. And if we are striving to live for Jesus, we too should expect to face opposition at some point. But maybe in reality, uh, we're taken back when we face opposition. Uh, or we feel like it shows that God isn't at work. Or we give up. When someone sets off on a marathon, they expect it to be difficult, don't they? Uh, and they don't give up at the first sign of difficulty. And here we're reminded that we too must expect opposition in the Christian life so that we're ready and so we don't give up when we face it. The apostles have faced opposition previously and they're not thrown by it, they just keep persevering. But what happens next must have thrown them a little bit, mustn't it, or surprised them at least. Uh, have a look at verse 19. It says, During the night, an angel of the Lord opened the prison doors and brought them out and said, Go and stand in the temple and speak to the people all the words of this life. And when they heard this, they entered the temple at daybreak and began to teach. I'm not really sure what's more amazing here, the fact that uh, an angel rescued them from prison, or the fact that they've been locked up for teaching about Jesus, uh, their lives are at risk, and yet straight away on their re release, they, they don't go home for a cuppa or, or a quick kip, uh, they're straight back to the temple, speaking of Jesus, aren't they? As soon as the sun starts to rise. You also can't help wondering if though this shows God's sense of humor because it was well known that the Sadducees didn't believe in angels. And what does God send to rescue them? But why did God make this miraculous intervention in the prison? I think God was teaching the apostles that he can deliver them from oppression any time he sees fit. At this early stage in the life of the church, he's encouraging them and showing them that there is absolutely nothing that can stop his word going forward. Nothing and no one can thwart God's plans. Even with all the opposition here, we see that God is working for the progress of his word, the gospel. That doesn't mean that we should always expect 
miraculous rescue. Uh, There are two other prison breaks in the book of Acts, uh, and miracles still happen today amidst persecution. But we also see many who were not rescued like this in the book of Acts. We see people put to death for their faith. And if church traditions are correct, it seems nearly all of the apostles were killed for their faith in the end. Yet each one of them clearly knew that God had the power to act and that his plans cannot be thwarted. And so they kept proclaiming Jesus, even to the point of death. It seems that when God withholds his power to deliver people from opposition, he instead gives power to persevere, even through death and through trials. Uh, Jesus said in Luke 21, they will lay their hands on you and deliver you to prisons, and some of you will be put to death, but not a hair of your head will perish. Why? Well, because you'll enter into life. Uh, You'll be raised with new resurrection bodies. Uh, That's the glorious hope that we have as Christians. Later on in the book of Acts in chapter 7, we read of Stephen, who was the first to be killed for his faith here in Acts. And yet he knew that power from God. Uh, he, He boldly delivers this incredible speech to the people who are oppressing him. And then we read in Acts 7, but he, full of the Holy Spirit, gazed into heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. And he said, behold, I see the heavens opened and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. And he says, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. That time there was no angel. But nonetheless, Stephen knew God's power with him. And he stood firm. And the angel here in Acts 5 tells the apostles to stand firm. Uh, Incredibly, the angel tells them to head straight back to the temple and to proclaim the liberating message of life in Jesus. And that's exactly what the apostles did, didn't they? Uh, They didn't know what the consequences would be of going back to the temple. The authorities seemed determined to stamp out their message. But what they did know was that the word of God is unstoppable. And so they stood firm and they headed back. I don't know whether you've ever uh, been out to the coast and seen uh, really good surfers heading out through the waves. Uh, When you've got big swell uh, and you've got surfers heading out, um, uh, there's wave after wave comes towards them. And yet you see them just duck underneath through the waves. Uh, Wave after wave comes and they keep on ducking under popping up the other side until they get to the back of the waves. And that's a bit like the forces of evil trying to drown the church, isn't it? Uh, There is wave after wave of persecution, but the church just keeps on popping back up alive and free. It's like trying to stamp out a fire, but the wind just keeps spreading it, and it gets bigger. It was fantastic to baptize Zora from Iran earlier, wasn't it? And it's great to have our Iranian contingent here today. Uh, and in Iran, crackdowns, crackdowns on Christians have become increasingly harsh. And yet in 20 years, the number of Christians in the country has gone from 10,000 people to 1 million. Or we can look to Korea. In 1900, it was thought that Korea was completely impenetrable to the gospel. 
But today there are 4,000 churches in the capital city of South Korea alone. And that's not to mention the huge growth there's been in China, even when the country was closed to the outside world for 40 years. Yes, uh, identifying as a Christian in the West has declined and looks set to decline further. But the rest of the world has not followed. And we must take heart that again and again, when God's word is trampled down, it pops up alive and free. Nothing can stop it. But back in Acts chapter 5, it's clear the leaders haven't realized that, have they? Uh, we get this fantastic, almost comical scene uh, when they send for the apostles in prison. I love this bit. Uh, it's the morning, uh, they've gathered the council together, uh, and um, uh, they want to try the apostles, so they send their officers uh, to collect them from the prison. But the guards awkwardly return on their own. Uh, and verse 23, they say, We found the prison securely locked, and the guards standing at the doors. But when we opened them, we found no one inside. And we're told when the captain of the temple and the chief priests heard these words, they were greatly perplexed about them. But finally, uh, someone reports that the apostles are just down in the temple preaching. And the captain of the temple guard wants to seize them, but he fears the crowd, and so the apostles are brought before the council peacefully instead. Uh, first, we had the irony of the angel, uh, and now more irony in that the leaders are afraid of even bringing the apostles in. Uh, they fear being stoned if they injure the apostles in any way. But they are brought before the council for the trial. And what's their crime? Well, verse 28, they are charged with continuing to teach in this name, the name of Jesus. Uh, despite the previous threats they've received, uh, we learn that the believers had filled Jerusalem with this teaching. It's become a major public topic of conversation. And so Peter and the apostles come before the council and they're faced with these charges. And then we get this amazing reply from Peter, don't we? He says, we must obey God rather than men. And then Peter once again uses the opportunity to speak the gospel to them. In the face of opposition, they don't negotiate, they don't compromise, they don't compromise for their comfort or their lives. They just speak of Jesus. And let's not forget, it was no small thing. In verse 33, we see that the council was enraged and wanted to kill them. But once again, God intervenes. Uh, he uses a guy called Gamaliel, a respected member of the council, to save them. Uh, Gamaliel uh, says to the council, if this plan or this undertaking is of man, it will fail. But if it is of God, you will not be able to overthrow them. You might even be found opposing God. And we're told that the council took his advice, uh, but not without beating the apostles before they let them go. I wonder how you would have left that council if it was you. What would you be thinking? Take a look at how the apostles leave in verse 41. Uh, we're told... Then they left the presence of the council, rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer dishonor for the name. And every day in the temple and from house to house, they did not cease teaching and preaching that the Christ is Jesus. And one incredible response. And what amazing bravery 
and boldness. Uh, They rejoiced that they were walking in the footsteps of the Lord Jesus, and they knew the unstoppable word of God, and they were empowered by the Holy Spirit, and so they kept on preaching. And the fact we are here today, uh, the fact we are baptizing people is testament to that, isn't it? Gamaliel was right. If this is a plan of God, you will not be able to overthrow it. And so the challenging question for us here today is, are we willing to suffer unjustly to speak words of life? Uh, Will we be brave and speak out, even if there's consequences? Back on the 16th of October, 1555, bishops Hugh Latimer and Nicholas Ridley were burned together at the stake for striving to recover the gospel in England. And as the flames burnt, Latimer said to Ridley, be of good comfort, Master Ridley, and play the man. We shall this day light such a candle by God's grace in England as I trust shall never be put out. Like the apostles, they knew they had words of life and they trusted that God is in control, even in great persecution. The consequences of us speaking out seem almost trivial compared to the apostles or, or, those, archbishop, or those bishops, don't they? But it can still be hard to put our head above the parapet and to speak of Jesus. Now, we, we do face waves of opposition, even if they're more subtle. But the enemy celebrates every time they cause us to stop speaking and teaching words of life. And so we must pray for the Holy Spirit to empower us and challenge us when we are too timid. Where is it that we need to stand firm in the face of opposition? Where is it that we need to be willing to obey God and not man? Or where do you need to speak out? The answers to those questions will be different for each one of us. Uh, But it'd be great to spend some time praying about those answers, maybe today or tomorrow morning. And let's be bold as we think about who we can invite along to our Christmas events over the next few weeks. Christian author uh, Rebecca McLaughlin issues a helpful challenge to us to stop being so defensive and to get on the offensive. Uh, She writes this. It's up on the screen. When it comes to giving reasons for our faith, we Christians are playing far too defensive a game. We've believed that Christianity is declining. It isn't. We've assumed Christianity can't stand up in the university. It can. Too many of us think Christianity is threatened by diversity. It never has been. And too few of us think Christian sexual ethics are sustainable in the modern world. They are. On these and many other fronts, we have conceded far more ground to secularism than it deserves. Uh, And if you do struggle with any of those things or disagree with her, and I really recommend her book, uh, Confronting Christianity. Uh, She goes on to say, but we've also been playing too aggressive a game. We've majored on point scoring and culture warring when the Bible calls us to gentleness and respect. If we are to be faithful in this cultural moment, we must be neither retreaters nor attackers, neither needlessly defensive nor faithlessly aggressive. Instead, we must go on a gentle offensive. We must speak words of life. 
This Christmas, we have a gift of grace to hold out to people from a loving God. Uh, In that classic Christmas reading, John says, in him was life, and that life was the light of men. Jesus himself says, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. He says, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. That's what we've just had pictured in baptism, isn't it? Dead in sin, but washed clean and raised in everlasting life in Christ. Regardless of how hostile our surroundings, how difficult our workplace, how awkward it is with the neighbors, we are to share Christ through our life and through our words. And if you're here this morning and you're just looking into things, uh, uh, we'd love a chance to share more of Jesus with you. Uh, Come and have a chat to us afterwards. We're told that the apostles left rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer dishonor for the name of Jesus. They knew that he had suffered and given everything for them. And they rejoiced at being counted worthy at his name, of his name. Uh, Are we willing to follow him? One of our Easter hymns says this. We may not know, we cannot tell what pains he had to bear, but we believe it was for us he hung and suffered there. Lord Jesus, dearly you have loved, and we must love you too, and trust in your redeeming blood, and learn to follow you. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we trust in your redeeming blood that has bought us life. We cannot tell what pains you had to bear, but we thank you that you paid the price for all the times when we have not followed you, including the times when we were cowardly and not willing to speak of you. And we ask that by your spirit we might learn to follow you, to stand firm and to speak your unstoppable word to a world that so desperately needs it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.